Good morning, everybody. It's Jeff Goldberg for the Sales Pro Network. It is Friday, May 27th. It's 10 a.m. on the East Coast of the United States. And that means it's time for another great interview. I am the founder of the Sales Pro Network. I'm a sales coach and trainer. I work with both individuals and organizations across the world to help them get measurable and sustainable sales increases. And I founded the Sales Pro Network to be a place where salespeople can come and network, learn, ask questions, get coaching, and to help everyone elevate the profession of sales and you to make more money. And as most of you know, every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, we either do a live interview with somebody who can add value to the profession of sales, or I do a live training. And once again, the day is no exception. I was uh, pretty impressed with myself when I knew I had over 7,000 followers on LinkedIn, but the gentleman I'm about to introduce you to, over 44,000 people wait to hear from him on LinkedIn every day. So it's my pleasure to introduce you to Richard Vanderblom. Good morning, Richard. Wow, Jeff, talking about a, a very impressive introduction there. Thank you for that. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I'm very excited to speak to you today. Let's say good morning. Uh, good morning, Brian Keith McNeil, one of my favorite sales coaches and trainers. If you are watching us live, please say hello in the comments. If you're on uh, Facebook and you have not connected your account to StreamYard, we won't know who you are. It just says Facebook user, but please do put your name in there. And if you're watching us on the replay, please put replay in the comments when you watch. So, Richard, I'm going to jump right in because... Uh, you cover one of the topics that I think is most important. I consider LinkedIn and social selling to be incredibly important and LinkedIn to be the salesperson's best friend. So what is the essence of social selling and how does social selling differ from traditional selling? Uh, wow, those are like really two good questions to start with. Um, there is a lot of misconception about social selling. I remember when I started i've been in, in in the social selling business now for more than 11 years and and when i started let's say seven eight years ago and especially when i had a chat with boards executive level and i would say social selling people would like automatically think that okay we're going to sell our stuff via social media so the social was attached to social media selling so the first thing i said it's not about social media selling it's about more or less an attitude that a salesman needs to have a social attitude to, in every step of the buyer journey, add value. Whether your client is in the orientation phase, in the buying phase, in the aftercare phase. So social selling for me is having an attitude where you provide distinctive insights, additional value to your customers along the entire buyer journey. And LinkedIn is one of the, in my option, best platforms to either like identify, meet, engage, connect, and convert with your target audience. So LinkedIn suits perfectly fine into the social selling journey. Wow. Well, I have to admit, I am one of those people who thought social selling meant selling through the use of social media. So I'm, I'm glad to get educated today. Uh, I know you, you create a lot of posts. I, you know, I, I do follow you on LinkedIn because you're very impressive and you always offer excellent advice and you're very generous with your advice. Uh, you create a lot of posts on thought leadership. What's the connection between thought leadership and social selling? Um, my definition of thought leadership, because if you go to Google or Wikipedia, there's a, like tons of different definitions, but my definition of thought leadership is that you are the uh, informed opinion leader or the person to go to in your network. I find thought leadership very important uh, because if you are seen as a thought leader in your network, you become the person to refer to, which makes it very, very easy 
or at least more easy to sell your stuff because instead of reaching out to prospects, they will come to you uh, literally with, with, I receive literally every week emails from people that say, hey, I just heard from this person, from you, we have heard what you've done with this company and we're looking for more or less the same service. Can we have a chat? And this is what I call thought leadership. Um, and <clears throat> the connection with me putting out a lot of valuable posts, at least that's what I hope, is that thought leadership, it's about branding. It's about how you build your profile, but it's also about your activities. What, what kind of posts do you create? What kind of insights do you share? Because a thought leader that keeps everything for, for himself and is not willing to share for free a part of his knowledge, you will never be seen as a thought leader on LinkedIn. It doesn't work that way. So you need to be out there actively engaging in relevant discussions, creating valuable posts, and also have a look at your profile and build it like, like a thought leader would do in your industry. Wow. So uh, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm once again with you completely. Uh, in fact, I strive to become a thought leader, be seen as a thought leader using LinkedIn, because like you, uh, well, I don't know if, if like you, but I don't like prospecting. I love teaching people how to prospect, but I don't like to do it. And I'd much rather have people raise their hand and say, hey, Jeff, I'd like to talk to you. In fact, quite recently, uh, actually about two months ago now, uh, a guy reached out to me through LinkedIn and said, hey, I've been watching your stuff. I've been reading your posts and I've got three clients that I can think can use your services. Can we talk? Yes, indeed, we certainly can talk because that's one less cold call I have to make or one le less uh, direct reach out. But, but you mentioned both posting and profile. Uh, what advice do you have for people on uh, creating a professional profile that helps to establish them as a thought leader? And also, what, what are your thoughts on what are the ways to post that, that are going to get you the best results? Well, in your introduction, you said that you work both with individuals and with sales teams. Um, in my services, we work with sales teams. So I think 70% of my time, I'm teaching sales professionals how to make use of LinkedIn, free use sales navigator. And uh, our first module is always about personal branding. So it's it's so even if companies come and say like, okay, we have a sales team, they want to have sales navigator training because they understand the basics of LinkedIn. We say, no, 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 no. We want to have them first in a personal branding training where we build their profile. And there's a lot of like, uh, people are hesitant, okay? Because a lot of people think, hey, I've, I've been on LinkedIn for eight, nine years. I know how to build my profile. When we check the profile, uh, we have a score from zero to 100 based on 25 strategical points. And the average salesperson ticks 10 boxes. So the average salesperson is on 40% on how to build a client-centric strategic profile because building your profile needs to support two goals. First goal, if you do a reach out, so if you do, like I also don't like cold calling or cold emailing, but if you do a reach out, could be a connection request in email, then 90% of the people before accepting, they will come back on your profile, have a look on your profile, and if they see added value, in the way how you uh, build your profile, if you see like interesting content, good featured section, uh, looks professional, you have four or five times more acceptance rate. So the first reason why you need to build a customer-centric profile is to increase the acceptance rate on your outreach, okay? Second, if people are referred to you, like the thing that happened with your client, the, they also going to have a look on your profile, okay? 
uh, because somebody gives them my name, they check my profile, and then the profile needs to convert. It needs to emphasize your knowledge and expertise. So people feel very comfortable to reach out to you because they know you can deliver the job. You can, you can provide a service. So that's the reason why you need to build your profile. There are three elements that I always highlight. Click on your own profile. The thing you see in your screen is what we call the first impression. So it's your picture, your banner, your headline. Make sure that stands out. Second, your featured section, because that's where people can see what kind of content have you highlighted for me. So make that a very impressive, uh, rich media section where people can learn about you, your company and services, and your about section, which previously was uh, called summary, because that's actually the only part a lot of people will read. They will not go through your experience they will not go through your education. They will not grow to your skills or recommendations. They will do first impression, featured section with content, and the about section. And then they have made a decision. Mm. And when you say customer centric, I, I think I understand what you're talking about. Uh, I see too many profiles, uh, and I'm not a LinkedIn expert like you, but I see too many profiles where their about section is their resume, which is yeah. that's what it should be in the experience section. Am I correct? The about section should be speaking directly to your target audience, telling them how, what you do for people like them. Actually, both. Also, your work experience. Why would you have a work experience? I give you an example from actually an American client where I did a training uh, with 20 salespeople and the VP of sales uh, also participated. And I took his about section as an example, and it said, responsible for leading the sales team of company X, responsible for uh, market growth, responsible for upselling, cross-selling. And I go like, hey, if your clients read this, you know, there's nothing of worth for them. They might even be a bit like hesitant. Hey, if, if we give this guy one finger, he's going for the hand, you know, because he's all about upselling, cross-selling. So your about section, but also your current work experience should always be aimed at your target audience. So start with something like, we support our clients in getting the best, blah, blah. You know, that's the big difference. Your LinkedIn profile, if you are in sales, can never ever be your resume because it will not do the job. And, and there is the experience section where you actually will put your resume. Yeah, but again, your current job, Again, write it also towards your target audience. Hey, if you're an account manager, sales manager, describe what it is that you do. What kind of service do you provide? How do you support your clients instead of like responsible for area Arizona, responsible for the top 50 clients? Because who cares? They want to read what it is that you can do for them. And then all your previous experiences... Okay, there you can have your resume like type of description, but also make sure that people can read what were your results? How did you like service your client? Because that, that's all they want to know. What is it that you've done for others and what can you do for me? I, I actually just clicked on my profile and I was going to show it to you and ask you to critique it, but it's actually showing this interview, so we can't do that. Uh, uh, let's see. Good morning, Anon Rig. He says he loves the de definition of uh, social selling. Stephen Feswick, good to see you, my friend. Uh, Fran Cole Hebler from Texas, good to see you. And Don Levine, if anybody has any questions for Richard, please put them in the comments and I'll be sure to pass them along. Uh, but let's move on. Uh, in, a, in a larger organization, what departments should be involved in implementing social selling successfully? You know, Jeff, I, I don't know about you, 
but I can be a really pain in the ass if companies hire me because I receive a lot of questions or our company receives a lot of questions like, hey, our, our sales people need to understand social selling, virtual selling, remote selling, basically selling via LinkedIn, you know? And then uh, I start asking questions like, okay, what is the knowledge at this moment? Okay, what is the, what is the, the target audience? How, do, how is your sales process organized at the moment? And then do you have content available? Okay, do we have the right content for each stage of the buyer journey, like to connect with them, to follow up, to emphasize or add value because every stage of the buyer journey requests a different type of content. So that's where I, I really demand that marketing is part of the social selling implementation because they need to understand what kind of content sales needs to have in order to persuade their customers. No, And um, so we have sales, we have marketing, including the CSO or the CMO. I want like I, I want the buy-in of management board. They need to understand because implementation of social selling in many organizations, it's basically change management. It's changing the way how people think about LinkedIn. It's changing the way about how you used to do selling. You talked in the intro about traditional selling. Okay, so traditional selling is like meeting your clients in person. It's like cold calling. It's like marketing automation. All this stuff that is not personalized, often it's irrelevant. It's badly timed. And social selling in the end is the goal of social selling is to reach out exactly at the right moment because you have done some social listening with exactly the right message because you understand the challenges that your clients have um, and with the exact perfect follow-up to deepen the relation and to convert to the first meeting. Um, so we have sales, we have management, we have board, and then we need to have HR also on board because especially in the larger companies where they have a lot of vacancies, new salespeople, we need to hire the people that already understand like the importance of social selling and LinkedIn. You know, if we keep hiring with all the respect, people that like traditional selling, like to meet and um, do not know how to write online, do not know how to make content, do not know how to like network on LinkedIn. It's, it's like, you know, we're trying to make a change here and then and we are, again, hiring the wrong people for this job. So those are mainly the three um, departments, marketing, sales, HR. Um, and then uh, one of the last clients I'm working with, IT. Um, and it, it sounds ridiculous, but social selling comes with a lot of tools. Like you have Sales Navigator and LinkedIn. You have specific content tools. I'm a really huge fan of Calendly, uh, where people can book directly, uh, you know, a, a meeting from your LinkedIn profile. Um, and especially with the large enterprises, IT has a lot of things that they say, you know, this is prohibited. We cannot have Calendly directly on our service. We cannot have this content tool. So I'm, I'm, I find myself more and more also speaking with IT, like, you need to facilitate sales, you know, not make their life harder. So that's that's more or less my my journey inside a, a company that wants to implement social selling. That's great. And I love Calendly. I, I found it to be a real game changer when I finally woke up and said, I need to get this. And you have a fan. Uh, Chris Jones says, Richard's the ultimate LinkedIn guru. And it's great that you have him here quite riveting. Uh, I, I agree, Chris. Um, Let's say a company isn't that far along in implementing their social selling program as a company. 
Can an individual, and by the way, a lot of the people in this group are individual salespeople, entrepreneurs like myself. Uh, can an individual sales rep or, or entrepreneur like me do that on their own? Uh, of course, of course. Uh, I think you're an example. You say that there are a lot of entrepreneurs in this group. I'm also an example, you know, because I also started to, to, to do every content that you see on my profile. Basically, I have written it. I have now like people that design the content, but all the content, the written content comes from myself. Um, so, yeah, of course. Um, I have made some choices like three, four years ago that really like accelerated my business. Now, for all, I don't know if you have a lot of non-native English speakers, but I use, I'm Dutch uh, and I used to write everything on LinkedIn, like half of it in Dutch, half of it in English. So three years ago, I decided now all my content is going to be in English because then there are literally no borders. Okay. If you write your content in English, you know, a, a lot of people on, in the world, a lot of companies in the world can hire you, especially now we are moving more and more to like digital services, digital sales trainings. Um, second, you need to choose a topic. If you talk about thought leadership, you need to have your topic, okay? And you can have some related topics, but do not, for example, until three years ago, I also made posts about LinkedIn recruitment. I made posts about a new feature on LinkedIn, whether it was for sales or not. So it was like sales or LinkedIn, like all over the place. And three years ago, I chose two topics. One is social selling, the other is thought leadership because they are connected. And all my content I, I, I publish on LinkedIn is centered around these topics. All my comments are centered around relevant discussions based on these topics because in this way, you build your authority and thought leadership. And then you need to have a, like, a clear view of who is your target audience, what kind of companies, what kind of industry, what kind of headcount, who is my decision maker and influencer? So who are the people I want to target? And then you need to have the right strategy in place, you know, like content, connect with them, follow up uh, in order to like uh, build trust and, and convert them to the first meeting. So this, this, is, this can be done easily by a solo entrepreneur if you have the right steps and strategy. And I, I'm betting that uh, everybody listening is excited because you keep saying about if you have what, to get the first meeting. And to me, that's really where most salespeople fall down. That When I get brought into an organization or when somebody hires me privately as their coach, inevitably, the biggest problem is they're simply not speaking with enough qualified prospects and they don't know how to get make that happen. So social selling is one way to make that happen, it, especially for a guy like me who doesn't like to pick up the phone and cold call. I, I'm on the same page. You know, I, I started my sales career in 99. I've worked for 10 years in sales. I literally start with a list from the Chamber of Commerce and like start calling. I had a manager in my first two years. He, he handed me over a contact matrix, okay? So he said, okay, this is client A and you need to visit them once a month, call them every week and send them three emails a month, okay? Because we need to have eight touching points, okay? So, you know, I was young, 23, so I, 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 you know, I just wanted to tick the boxes. Like, okay, I'm going to visit. And I found it after two months that I was actually very annoying because I was not providing any added value. I was actually harassing my client like, OK, it's me again. Any news? No, nothing. You don't need anything. So and then the same with cold calling. You know, you're going to call someone who might be perfectly happy with this current supplier, who might have a wrong, uh, uh, a bad day, who has never heard of you, who is not convinced of your trust. 
Um, and I really hated cold calling or cold or canvassing or cold visiting, whatever name you want to give it. So one of the reasons why I started my company in 2009 is that I saw that salespeople, they feel like if you put them on the table, if you put them literally into the first meeting, they're very happy and they know what they're talking about. But getting there, that's the, that's the most difficult step for like nine out of 10. They don't know how to get the first 30 minutes of time of the client. And that's where LinkedIn and social selling can play a vital part. Yes, and I started my career just a bit longer ago than you did. I've been in sales almost 49 years now. I started by knocking on doors, selling encyclopedias, selling Encyclopedia Britannica. And when I opened up my own company, I did it through cold calling on the telephone. Even though I don't like it, I I still consider it to this day to be the most cost-effective and time-efficient way to fill up your calendar with appointments immediately if you don't have enough. But my coaching Mm -hmm. for anybody is, even if you have to do that, you should be doing lots of other things like social social selling so that you can eventually not have to cold call at all. And that's what I've done in my business. I, I still do it once a month just to make sure that what I'm teaching people who want to learn it is still working. But I, I often not so jokingly say I'd rather live in my car than ever have to cold call for a living again. It, it just doesn't yeah. work for me. Uh, good morning to Steve Kent. Good to see you here, my friend. And good morning, Facebook user. I don't know who you are, but good morning to you, too. Uh, you mentioned uh, a term before that I have not heard. Uh, maybe you could expand on that a little bit. What is social listening? Social listening is the activity where you use tools, uh, might be LinkedIn itself, um, to analyze, monitor what your potential clients are publishing on LinkedIn, on Twitter on their website, uh, in order to know what their challenges are and know, in order to know what is it what they are doing and to find the right moment, the right message, relevant timing to reach out. So for example, it can be done on LinkedIn by ringing the bell on someone's profile so you will get notified if this person creates a new post. It can be done in Sales Navigator by saving people as leads and companies as accounts so you get all the messages whenever they publish. Uh, You can do it on Twitter by creating Twitter lists, but there is also a lot of uh, specific social listening tooling. Uh, So I'm talking about software where you can say, hey, if anybody in this industry from this company uses these kind of words on the internet or on LinkedIn, I want to be informed because possibly they're talking about my business. So social listening is monitor, analyze, listen to your potential clients, what they are publishing online, in order to get enough ammo to reach out at the right moment with the right message. Got it. Um, one of the things I'm very big on is content marketing. Uh, I, I find it to be a great way to develop business. I certainly believe in the direct reach out uh, if it's handled properly. And to me, the way most people do it is the horrible way, which is I reach out to you, you accept my connection, and the next thing you know, you've got a DM from me saying, hey, Richard, I'd love to talk to you about some sales coaching. Would, would you be interested in that? I find that to be horrendous. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of content marketing. Can you describe for people really what is content marketing and how does someone develop a solid content marketing strategy? Well, con- content marketing, first of all, is it, it, really broad, no? Content marketing, because it's about strategy, it's about tooling, it's about the type of content. Uh, for me, it's um, 
the need for and the activity to create content that has that supports different goals so if you look at my content strategy i have content that strengthens the relationship with my existing clients so i have content that i only produce for my existing clients uh, clients that have had a training it's like refresh it's like some feedback content uh, i have content that i use to build my tribe of followers uh, to give you an example, the most of the slide decks I use on my uh, profile, where I give some tips on thought leadership, social selling. If I publish a carousel, on average, I get about 100 to 150 new followers. Okay, so it's not the intention to grow any business or to get leads. It's the intention to make people more aware of who I am, what and to hook them up. And then I have some in-depth content, which really addresses the pain points of sales teams at the moment. Um, and this is really the content with the goal to spark conversations with my target audience in the end to, 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 to generate leads. Um, so content marketing is the activity and the strategy where you produce content um, for 70% self-created whether it's your company your market department or yourself um to spark conversations to deepen relationships to uh, gain followers to generate leads actually to engage with your target audience i say 70 percent because what a lot of people forget to do and what a lot of corporate marketing uh, teams forget to do on their company page is if all the content that you produce is from yourself is from your own company clients that are now satisfied with your competitor will not follow you if everything is about you and your services they go like okay this is company x but we are very satisfied with company b so if you have 30 percent of your content not about you not about your company not about your solution but about the industry about trends about developments in our case about sales how is sales evolving how is remote selling evolving? Then you also become interesting to be followed by people that are currently very happy with another supplier, but they're going to follow you because they want to stay on top of the news, what's happening in your industry. Then when something is happening there, your competitor you know, misses out on something or they're becoming less, they will come back to you and say, hey, I've had, I've had this message like in the past year multiple times from a company saying, hey, um, we used to have LinkedIn trainings. We did this with company X, but now we want to make the next step. We have been following you for a while. And they followed me, not because the content was only about me, but the content was like sales-related industry trend innovation on sales. So I think content marketing plays a vital role in lead generation on LinkedIn. Yeah, it, it's truly my – well – my favorite way to develop business is to give speeches because I'm a professional speaker, as I know you are. And, you know, uh, the, the National Speakers Association says that out of every audience you speak in front of, one out of 10 people will probably be at least interested in a conversation with you about what you've yeah. got. But that's yeah. my number one way. But after that, it's oh. content marketing because there's a lot of stuff that I know after so many years in this business and I'm happy to share it. And uh, I find that when you're generous, when you give away information that can actually help people, they're attracted to you. Because like you, I get people to reach out and say, hey, I saw your post on this. I'd like to talk to you about maybe working with my team or being my coach. I love that. Uh, Brian Keith McNeil, who happens to be an outstanding sales coach and trainer, said he publishes on where? It sounded like you said carousel. 
I publish on LinkedIn. I publish on LinkedIn, but they call it a carousel post, which means I have a visual PDF. Okay. So for example, if I'm if I create a post and say, okay, these are the four phases of social selling, then I have my designer create like four slides, one slide covering each phase. I upload them as a PDF and LinkedIn shows them as a carousel slide. So people can click on the arrow on your post and every slide goes by. So they call it carousel, but for the record, obviously I post on LinkedIn. Got it. Now, I, I did not understand that either. So thank you, Brian, for asking that. And thanks for clearing yeah, that up. In, in fact, Brian has offered, uh, if you'd like to take a look at his LinkedIn profile, because we can't see mine, would you like to take a look at his and uh, yeah, uh, give him a critique? Yeah, go uh, ahead. Let's see if we can make that happen. Uh, here we go. I think, uh, can you see his profile? I can. Great. So this is my okay. friend, Brian. He's excellent hey. sales coach. What, what, what can you tell him? Well, let me go for, I, I was do top, top down. Okay. Uh, banner. I see a banner, uh, where I see him on the right. Uh, this is like pure, uh, psychology. No. If people, especially in jobs like speaker, sales coach, coach whatsoever, if people see you, you build trust. Okay, so the banner, very good. I see his picture, lovely hat, lovely smile, all good. Then we build super confidence and sales skills within entrepreneurs and salespeople so that they earn more money than ever before. Okay, um, good headline. Okay, it's not a job title. It's like more or less, I call it an elevator yell because you don't have room for an elevator pitch. Elevator yell is a bit smaller. Maybe, I don't know, uh, if he works in a specific industry, if he targets specific sized companies, then maybe you can include it as well in your headline. And it's not only about um, earning money for salespeople, at least that's my opinion, my feedback that I get. It's about earning money in a more efficient way. So less time, more leads, less time, more money. So that's maybe something that makes the headline even stronger. Um, then if you scroll, I see a featured section. Um, what you can do in the featured section, um, if you have uh, a professional video, 45 seconds, where you can introduce yourself, your company, your services, not in a pitchy way, but in a triggering way, I would always have that in my featured section. I have it on my own profile. I have a video there, 45 seconds. Hey, I'm Richard van der Blom. I'm founder manager of Just Connecting. And I tell people, what is it that we do and how can you contact me? I would always have that, like, for example, in the featured section. Um, then I see some activity. So I guess he's posting, which is good. People, salespeople who never publish a post on LinkedIn or who publish less than once a week on LinkedIn, have three to four times less conversion than people who post on LinkedIn. So sales, so salespeople, building your brand first, okay, expanding your network, be active in networking, but publishing content is a vital part of your new sales role uh, in 2022 on LinkedIn. Okay, let's go have a look. Uh, about section, oh, stop there. Um, now, you have clicked on see more, Jeff. Only ninety, uh, only two percent of all the visitors will click on see more. Can you refresh the page for a moment? I can. And then scroll back to the about section and do not click on see more. Okay, since only two percent will click on see more, 
the first four lines of your about section need to have a direct call to action to your target audience, okay, and your contact details. If you have a look at mine, it says something like, do you want to know how to leverage hybrid selling, remote selling for your company? Do you want to know how to generate leads via the efficient use of LinkedIn? Drop me a message, email address, or give me a call, phone number. Because then even people that do not click on see more, they instantly read, what is it that you can do for me and how can I contact you? Furthermore, I see that if you click on see more about section, okay, you have 2,600 charities. In the about section, a lot of people say less is more. This does not count for your about section. You need to have an extended about section with a lot of relevant buzzwords. My structure for an about section is, who am I? How did I become the professional I am today? So what's my knowledge and expertise? Third, what is my vision on sales? Fourth paragraph, what is it that I can do for you? Fifth paragraph, contact details. I've used all the characters with a lot of buzzwords. The about section is indexed three times as heavy as all the other sections on your LinkedIn profile. So look at this as being the entrance door of your online shop, okay? The more relevant text you have in your about section, the more relevant terms you have in your about section, the higher your profile will be ranked when people are looking for your services and they do not know you yet. So this about section needs some work. You, you beat me to it. I was about to say, to say, well, if nobody clicks on it, what's the use? But it's to raise you in the search rankings, yes? You, maybe, maybe the best um, insight I can give people when we talk about profiling is that everybody on LinkedIn, regardless of your job role, I don't care if you're in sales, job seeker, recruiter, unemployed, everybody at LinkedIn has two target audiences. The first is people. Okay, so this could be clients, potential clients, recruiters, I don't know, your family and friends, people. The second target audience, the most important one, algorithm indexation Google. Because if you don't write your profile for the algorithm and the indexation, the second target group, people, will never find your profile. If somebody's looking for virtual selling, or in your case, if somebody's looking for sales training with specific terms, you need to be suggested on the first page because nobody is going to have a look at the profiles that are listed on the sixth or seventh page. In order to increase your visibility in the ranking, the about section is a very, very important uh, part uh, to increase your visibility. Oh, uh, I'm betting my friend Brian is sitting there taking notes furiously and is very happy that uh, he offered to, to have that. And I wish we had been able to do mine, maybe some other time. But you mentioned another word that we hear a lot, which is algorithm. So what does algorithm mean? And what are some of the things we need to take, take uh, to, to know when we're posting in order to take advantage of the algorithm? Basically, uh, LinkedIn was founded as a social media platform. It, it Officially, it still is, although I see it more as a business tool. And I always say, like, especially people who, who think, like, our business is not suitable to sell via social media, say, okay, you know, don't worry, because LinkedIn, it's no longer social media. It's an essential business tool for salespeople, marketing, recruiter. But all social media platforms have an algorithm. An algorithm officially is implemented to make sure we see the most relevant content based on our behavior and interest, okay? Because there is a huge information overload on LinkedIn and on all the Facebook, Instagram. 
So all the platforms, that's what they officially say. They say, we implement an algorithm so you see the most relevant ticks, okay? Of course, they also implement an algorithm to show us the more, most possible ads um, and, and, and the most, actually the things they want us to see, okay? Because, you know, LinkedIn is Microsoft, it's about big business. So you see more ads now, five times more ads than three years ago, okay? That's also the algorithm. Now, the algorithm for 80% is based on your actions. To give you an example, um, I tend to engage with you on LinkedIn, Jeff. Whenever I see a post, you know, I met you uh, during the Influence Summit organized by um, uh, Joe Applebaum. Joe Applebaum. Uh, and since then, if I see a post because you're in sales, I always like it or I comment on it, which means... I keep you inside my inner circle of the algorithm. Every post you make, I can see it. Okay. Now, you see a maximum of 15% of your connections in your feed. So let's do the numbers. Imagine you have a thousand connections. This morning, nine o'clock, all thousand, I'm talking hypothetically, all thousand created a post. You can scroll as long as you want but you will only see 150 the same people. So even if you scroll past the first 150 posts, the 151st post is from the same person that was already listed in the previous post, okay? This is what LinkedIn calls your inner circle, your, your organic batch, okay? So if you post on LinkedIn, I still have people in my trainings that go like, okay, my whole network, all my clients I'm connected with have seen it. It's not true, okay? And... If you understand some of the basic rules of the algorithm, you can start to steer your posts towards the right people, especially salespeople in big companies. You know, if you publish something and let's say you work at IBM, who cares that 300 of your colleagues see the content? Your, your potential clients should see the content, okay? So if you know the algorithm, you can start steering your content, but also you can create your posts in such a way that the algorithm favors it because you do all the things right. So understanding the algorithm is like knowing the, role, the rules of a board game. You know, um, you're never going to win a game of chess if you don't know the rules. Well, you're never going to create impact with your content if you don't know the rules of the algorithm. Okay. So first challenge, create quality content. Second challenge, publish it on LinkedIn in a way that the algorithm favors it and brings you more reach than it would do if you are if you don't know anything about the algorithm. Okay, so I don't know anything about the algorithm. So how do we do that? How, how do you actually do that? Because look, uh, obviously I'm looking to reach as many people as I possibly can because that helps to establish me more and more as a thought leader and brings me more and more business, which is my ultimate goal, help people and bring and help my family too. So how do we actually do that? I'm sure that's way longer than a, than a two-minute discussion, but can you give us any tips? Yeah. Can I ask you three questions, quick ones? Sure. Okay. We have 830 million people on LinkedIn, 830 million members. What is the percentage of people that have at least published a post once in their lifetime on LinkedIn? So how, what is the percentage of people on LinkedIn that have at least created one post? I'm just going to take a wild guess. Uh, 10? 10%? 4%, not even, 3.8%, okay? So 96% of all the members have never, never published a post. And I'm talking also about salespeople that are still reluctant to do so. Next question. What is the percentage of people that are willing, if they read a post from you and they really like it, 
what is the percentage of people that are willing to hit the like, comment, or share button? So what is the percentage of people that are willing to show their gratitude by actually hitting a button on the post? Uh, again, I'm taking a guess, and uh, I'm not a good example because I'll like everything that, that I, I see. Um, 5%. 16%. So one out of six says, hey, if I like something, I will do it or I will comment. Now, best question. What is the percentage of people that have never published content, do not engage actively with the like, comment buttons because they don't want to show themselves, but they are looking at LinkedIn on almost a daily, weekly basis. They are consuming content. They are clicking on your video. They are clicking on your link. So they are consuming content, but they will never show themselves. What is the percentage? I'm going to say that's a larger one, 30%? 64%. I call them silent community. Now, this is a game changer if you publish content because your clients are often in the silent community. You might remember that you receive a message. I did. I received a message from a very big company and the guy, digital marketing manager, global digital marketing manager, started the message with, mind you, he was not connected, second degree. He started with, Richard, I have been following your post over half a year now. You post some interesting stuff. I really want to schedule a call, what you can do for our company. So I went back to some posts. This guy never engaged. No like, no comments, not connected. So he's the example. People are absorbing your content. So don't get disappointed if the number of likes or comments are low because there is a silent community. People are reading your content. Now, implemented in the algorithm, because LinkedIn found out about a 64%, and previously, I'm talking about one and a half year ago, your post would grow if you would get likes, comments, or if people would click on your video or attachment or whatever you would share, no? So based on active actions. Now, when LinkedIn discovered 64% is never going to do that, they know that their algorithm was actually based on like a minority. So they implemented dwell time. Maybe you've heard of the term dwell time. Dwell time means that LinkedIn is now measuring the time people spend on your post in their screen, after three lines, if you publish something, there is a see more button. Have a look in your feed. You see post, three lines, see more, and then you get a whole post. LinkedIn is measuring how many people click on see more. And after clicking on see more, how long do people continue to spend on your post? Because this is what a silent community does. They scroll. For some reason, they stop because they read. So LinkedIn is measuring the seconds. If they want to continue reading, they click on see more. Okay, whole post. So this behavior is now one of the biggest reasons why your post gets additional reach. People spend more time on your post. So this means, first of all, we need to have more text than usually. A lot of people, they make posts like three, four lines, a link, and then, you know, job done. No, you, yeah. You have a look at my post, Jeff. Have a look at my post. Normally, I have a minimum of 15 lines. Often, I have 25, 30 lines. Mind you, it's all relevant. It's all relevant, okay? Because if you write a lot and it's not relevant, people continue scrolling. But I give, it's, it's actually about, it's all about mini blocks, okay? And then you can use some formats that keep people longer engaged on your, prof, uh, on your post. I'll give you three examples. If you publish a video, two minutes, and people click on the video in the feed. As long as they watch the video, you have two minutes of dwell time on your post. 
which is huge. So LinkedIn is going to give you additional reach because people are watching your video. The previously mentioned carousel, I have a PDF and people need to go through the PDF. If you have a six, seven slides with valuable information, people take the time to go through the slides, which means your dwell time again increases. And then uh, last week I was on stage for the first time in two years live in Denmark. Normally I would produce a post like with my takeaways, my thankfulness and one picture. Now I have a post with multiple pictures because more pictures means that people will look at more pictures. They will click on more pictures, which is a positive signal to the algorithm. People are clicking on your post. So those three, more text, video, slide decks, multiple pictures is already like a huge like improvement. Wow, am I glad we had this conversation because my, my thought has always been, I don't have the time or patience to read most stuff. You better have some incredible content if I'm going to spend time with it. So I always try to keep my posts short, my videos short, my, my text short. Uh, but you're, uh, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's like I'm making a mistake. I actually want longer content, which hopefully people will click on and read because the more time they're spending, the greater my reach becomes. Yeah, yeah, that, the, the last one is true. The more time people spend on your post, I, I'm talking about, you know, LinkedIn wants, wanted to implement the behavior of the silent community in their algorithm, okay? And the only way to do that is to measure the, the amount, like literally the time that people spend on the post and the clicks they give. See more, click to the next slide, click on the next picture. Those are all clicks without liking, commenting, sharing, but that is what a silent community does. And this is all positive signals to increase the reach of your post. I, I have implemented this when we discovered this about two years ago, and it has been ongoing research. I have implemented this, and I went from average reach of a post, four, 5,000 views, to now average reach, 22, 23,000 views on all my posts. Because I have been doing this. And yes, it costs you more time, but if you're going to publish content on LinkedIn, you might as well take the double the time if you get four times more reach, okay? Do it good or don't do it. Yeah, and I'm, not I'm not worried about the time. Uh, you know, I, I, want, I want to be the most effective. I want to give the best advice and, and share what I can. And of course, I want to get the most for it. If I heard you right, the silent uh, community is almost two thirds of the people on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's huge. Wow. It's huge. It's huge. Wow. So uh, th this one might seem like an offbeat question, but um, can you tell us about Joaquin and why he's the best salesperson you ever met? <laughs> You've seen the post? I did. I loved it. Yeah. For the people who haven't seen the post, uh, it, I, I'm talking about a post who at the moment is, for example, on 230,000 views to give you an impression. Okay. So um, I live in, uh, I, I'm Dutch. I moved to uh, rural Spain four years ago uh, for two reasons, um, sun, weather, uh, and uh, it's much cheaper than Holland. So I bought a house. I have a, a huge plot uh, in, in, in meters. It's six, 7,000 square meters. I have a lovely garden, but I'm too busy. So I, 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 I cannot keep up with all the gardening work. So um, after six months that I lived here, there was like, and well, an elderly man at my gate, and he said, "Like I'm Joaquin, and I was the gardener for the people uh, where you bought a house from, which was an English couple." And I said, "Well, okay." And he said, "I waited for six. Yeah, there he is, cool Jeff." He said, "I waited six months because he can see from his house. He can have a look at my plot." He said, "I waited for six months if you were going to do your work yourself, but you haven't. So 
are you okay if I do it? So I was like, okay, great, Joaquin, you know, you know the plot, do the thing. So he started with gardening work, you know, and then he came to me and he was like, hmm, um, we've had a lot of rain. And I've seen that in some parts of the plot, you have like, it's, it's like very swampy. There is no good drainage. And he said, you know, I used to work as a, as a, um, a plumber, so I can create something for you. And I was like, okay, go ahead, you know, do it. If you see there is a problem, do it. And then the summer came and I was, you know, we have a swimming pool here. It was my first time. So I was messing around with like all kinds of products that need to go in so it doesn't turn green. And he was, you know, he says, you know, um, let me do the swimming pool uh, because everything you do is wrong. Uh, I have been doing swimming pools for 30 years. So next from gardener and plumber, he became my, 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 my pool man. Um, and I didn't have a robot to clean. So he went and he came and he said, you need to buy this robot because this is the best they have. I've looked at all, but this is the robot you need to buy. So, you know, I went, I bought a robot, I handed over. And the last thing he did, um, he brought us like vegetable and fruits over the past two years. And I was always like, yeah, I had a, a vegetable garden in Holland, but, you know, I don't have the time, but I really like to have such a garden. And then I came back from like four days traveling because he has a key to the plot. And I came back and he had planted like tomatoes. He had planted like uh, eggplants, uh, all kinds of things. I had a vegetable garden made by him, you know. He, so he is the best sales guy because, and he's illiterate, okay. He cannot read, he cannot. Uh, so uh, he started to work when he was nine. He started his first job as a, a, a you know, a handler when he was 12. So I'm, it, it's not like a traditional educated man, but um, he's proactive. He identifies needs. Before I know I have a problem, he has already identified it and brought up a solution. He does cross-selling, he does upselling, and he keeps the client satisfied by every time surprising me with like another step. Um, in the post, it's about the acts, no? I said that I really like like ecological acts. And one day he came, like, here was an egg box, 12 eggs, ecological for my own chickens. And I can bring you every, uh, one uh, every week. So I created a post because, like, he's the best sales guy by heart, you know, second nature, entrepreneur, um, best best salesperson I've ever met. I, I truly love that post, which is why I asked you about it. And that's right in line with my feeling about salespeople, too. It's not about being pushy. It's not about convincing people. It's not about persuading people. It's about giving generously and coming from a place of service and showing people, here's how I can help you. I, I often speak to people and uh, I'll say, say, you know, call me, email me. I'm, I'm happy to give advice. And I'm not talking about for money. You know, look, I always tell people, look, I always have my big boy pants on. If you're asking for too much, I promise you, I'm going to tell you, we need to have a discussion about you becoming my client, but I'm happy to help because I believe givers get. When you, when you help people like clearly Joaquin has, people are attracted to you and they want more. And I, I agree with you. This guy's, whether he's the greatest salesperson that ever existed, I don't know, but he sure is terrific because he's doing all the right things. And he is, he is. he's in no way pushy about it. No, nope. He's just helping. Yep. It's right in line yep. with Zig Ziglar who said, selling is serving. Sales is service. Just serve your customer. You, you also have four beliefs around becoming successful. Can you, can you share those with us? Or some of those? Now you have me. Four beliefs? Do I have four beliefs? Can you give me a hint? I have a lot of things, but my four beliefs. I'm Maybe sorry, but I, I, only wrote, I only wrote down the question because I saw that in one of your posts. You said four beliefs about becoming successful. <laughs> do, you, do you have one belief about becoming successful? What made you successful? 
I think uh, I, I think I know where you're going because um, I think the post was created by my designer who gives it a catchy like title like four beliefs. Yeah? It was like four beliefs. No, I, I think one of the uh, where I believe in is authenticity. That for me is the most important thing. Uh, it works in sales offline. You know, nobody likes somebody playing an act uh, when meeting a client. Nobody likes like. Uh, 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 sucking up to a client you know i'm always like if we are not a match i tell my client like okay it was great having a chat but the services you require we are not the best match uh, authentic uh, authenticity is also important in the way how you build your profile you know i see too many salespeople going for the easy corporate banner on their profile going for the easy like uh paragraph about their company facilitated by marketing so like okay marketing builds my profile um, but it needs to be authentic. Um, so authenticity is one of them. Um, being active in everything you do uh, and maybe proactive is very important. I always tell people how I built my network because it's true that I gain a lot of followers, but I'm also very proactive in inviting people. So for example, if I have met people like on the Congress in Denmark, and I've had really awesome discussions. I will be the first to invite the people and thank them for their time and thank them for the meeting. If I have read an interesting post on LinkedIn, actually, it doesn't even matter what subject. Could be about sustainability, could be about digital marketing, could be about anything. But if it's a well-written post, I connect with the author because I want to build the quality of my network. I want to build the quality of my feed. Um, if people view my profile and I think, hey, this could be a potential interesting person, sales director, marketing director, I reach out and say, hey, I saw you visit my profile. Was there anything I wrote, a mutual connection, your passion for social selling? Anyway, let me hear if I can do anything for you. People feel a bit reluctant, but if you do it with the right tone of voice, I get an acceptance rate of 75%. So if I reach out to four decision makers that have visited my profile, I have three new connections and they will continue to see my content so I can build my thought leadership with them as well. So it's uh, being authentic, being active and being approachable as well. That's also very important, being approachable. I have spent a lot of time answering questions, probably like you, Jeff, from people without anything in return, like, how do I change this on LinkedIn? How do I do this? We are currently having this challenge. How would you address this challenge? And, you know, my partner has often said to me, again, are you again on LinkedIn? I said, yeah, I need to answer some of the comments. And she said, but you get 200 comments a day. I said, yeah, but I need to, like, if people ask a question, I need to respond. Because this is how you build credibility. This is how you build thought leadership. And this is what, in return, brings you ambassadors and makes you more approachable for people. And like you, if I get from the same person three questions a week, I will have a different discussion. I will go like, hey, maybe we should have a different discussion because, you know, um, but I think it's not four, it's three beliefs. Got it. I'm sorry for putting you on the spot there. But no, 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 no. no. I, I'm 100% with you on authenticity. You know, if you can't be your real self, then you need to go find another job. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been coaching salespeople and, you know, uh, listening to them on the phone, going out to the field. And sometimes I have to say, who was that person that, that you just were? What, what was that voice about? Especially on the phone, I find people put on what I'll call your, their professional voice. And my advice is always stop that. Stop doing yeah. that. To just yeah. be you. People buy yeah. from humans. Uh, I believe that unless you're a major brand like a Nike, people still do business with people. 
that they like and trust. Stop trying to be something different. Obviously, look, uh, I, I tend to use a lot of humor. Do I use my authentic humor every second of every day when I'm dealing with people? Well, no, because a lot of it is foul language. I do stand up comedy on the side. and I say things in front of a comedy audience that I would not say in front of a corporate audience. But part of that is me. So, you know, be appropriate, be, be authentic, absolutely positively. And I keep glancing at the clock. We're quickly running out of time. Uh, let's go with this one. Uh, you ask if people are collecting stamps or building relationships on LinkedIn. What's, what's the difference? Or what does build, collecting stamps mean? I don't know. You should ask the people who are using LinkedIn to collect stamps. Collecting stamps is like using automation to send automated requests to 200 decision makers at the same time. Luckily, LinkedIn is stepping up the game to detect automation and to ban the people from LinkedIn, which I really favor. Until now, I have never, ever used automation on LinkedIn. Everything I do is like manually built. Um, but also, we had the LION movement. LION stands for LinkedIn Open Networker. We have had the Let's Connect tribe, where people would put in the headline, Let's Connect, and they would create a post, and it would go for like, hey, um, if you would like to be part of my network, uh, then put your name in the comments and connect with everybody that has done the same. So you would get a post with 300 comments and people would start connecting with people who they have never spoken to, who they don't know anything about. And then they said, because you built visibility. No, because all your new connections will be favored in the algorithm. Okay, so your next post that was intended for your target audience is not going anymore to your target audience. It's going to 300 people you have never met. You have no credibility, no ambassadorship. So it's a very, very bad strategy to build your network in a way you collect stamps. You know, like connect with the most people possible in order to grow your network. It's quality and quantity that go hand in hand on LinkedIn. Yes, if you have a bigger number of followers, you will see more like engagement and conversion, but you need to have quality connections in order to become ambassadors, referrals, uh, and whatever it takes to grow your business. Wow, am I glad we spoke today because I don't know if anybody else got anything out of this, but I have had the misconception that I accept every connection request, even though I know a lot of them just want to try to sell me something because I thought that that meant more people were seeing my content. Oh boy, oh boy, I've got some work to do. Wow. And, okay. and, 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 and basically, uh, I just this morning, sometimes people ask, are you sometimes deleting people? I, I normally never, ever delete people. But this morning I did. I got a connection request from someone that said, like, hey, Richard, I like what you are doing. I'm also in sales. Uh, so let's connect. OK. And so I was like, I had my doubts, but I was like, OK, personal notes. So, OK. So I said, welcome. Thanks for your personal message. Um, and then I responded. And then in a week, exactly like you told, after accepting, one hour later, one hour, I'm not talking about one week, one hour later, I'm in telecoms, I provide my clients with the best blah, 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 blah. Uh, so uh, below is my agenda. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to respond. Like, just ignore, okay? Second day, okay, I know you are busy because you haven't responded to my call. Fourth day, third message, that was this morning. Okay. Uh, and I was like, okay, delete, like, and this is somebody who after people accept the invite, and there are more people doing that at the moment, put you into a LinkedIn automation message, and they will shoot you messages in the hope that at some point, people will respond. 
Last week, I had this same, but I noticed it was not automation, okay, because I saw the way how, so somebody I connected with, he followed up, he said, okay, we have this kind of software, and I said, your targeting is way off because we don't use that kind of software. So it seems to me that you are playing a big numbers game. All the new connections send the same message. That doesn't work like that on LinkedIn. And he responded, he responded, and I was flabbergasted. He responded with, yeah, I know we play a big numbers game, but for every 100 messages, we have two leads. Hmm. That, and then it's like, I get, I get like a shortcut in my head, like, like, oh, wait a minute. So you're going to spam and arrest 98 people in your network in order to get two non-qualified leads. Okay. So imagine the damage you do. Imagine the damage you do to your brand when you are using LinkedIn as a spammy tool with all your new connections, just to get a conversion. First meeting, two out of 100, you know, you probably have a better strategic. I have a better strategic because if I start with 100 prospects, I'm sure I have a conversion of 20% to business meetings and I'm not spamming. Yeah, I'm with you. When I get those messages, I simply reply with, hey, I sell sales coaching and training. How much of that would you like to buy? And that, you, yeah. that usually stops the messages pretty quickly. Richard, I, I hate to say this, but we're out of time because I could talk to you for hours and hours about this. And I'm betting the audience would love to have you back sometime. I'm sharing my screen right now. Could you tell people, and I'm betting there's plenty of them, how do they reach you? Yeah, if they're very quick, they can take the phone and just scan the QR code. They go directly to my LinkedIn profile or they just uh, type Richard Vanderblom on LinkedIn. They will find my profile. Uh, you know, best way to connect with me, best way to, to ask questions or whatever you want to hear from me is via LinkedIn. Uh, our website is under construction, but to be honest, 90% of all the meetings, leads comes via LinkedIn. So just just send me an invite. Um, I, I, I would like or I appreciate if you would write like, okay, I heard you at the Jeff Goldberg show because then I know where people come from. Um, and I will respond uh, uh, very happily. Cool. They may not know my name. Hopefully they do, but it, they'll probably say, I heard you on the Sales Pro Network. And uh, I, I know you remember if you have the chance, come on in. And uh, I'm sure people have made comments that I haven't been able to see yet. Please do. And Richard, thank you so much. This was incredibly valuable for me. I hope it was incredibly valuable for everybody else. I can't see how it wasn't. And I'll end this as I do every week. Please remember, guys, sales is a game of making things happen. So get out there and make sales happen. And for those of you in the United States, Monday's Memorial Day. Have a great three-day weekend. Thanks again, Richard. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.